figured it was uh, fitting for uh, our conversation today. The Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe, one trillion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. So what are we discussing today on today's first episode of Wall Street Meet? We're talking about inflation. We are talking about inflation. I'm Patrick Moorhead with um, an RIA with Delta Investment Management, and we have Andrew Shacker, an economist for Slango Analytics. That's kind of hard to say, Slango Analytics. That's tough to say. Little, little and today thing. we're talking about inflation. Inflation, yeah. Which when you hear on NBC or CNBC, there is going to be no inflation. And, well, first of all, yeah, I don't think people are underestimating that there's going to be inflation. But I think beyond that, there's kind of a heated debate right now. I would say either a heated debate or confusion as to what inflation even is. Some people are saying the Peter Schiff and the Jim Rickards guys and the guys on CNBC, they're saying inflation, the definition of inflation is an increase in the money supply. And another, another, another school of thought, guys are saying that it's a increase in prices. So well, I think that's causing In reality, it's, it's kind of both, isn't it? You increase the money supply, it's going to automatically have an increase in prices. Do you see this chart that I have up? I'm not sure. I see the chart, but hold on. It's, I'm not sure if it totally goes that way. I think once you increase the money supply, then I think when the velocity of money is going to have an impact on inflation. Yeah, what's this chart? Well, typically, the velocity money comes comes later, right? But After the, the, the money printing. Right. So here's, here's the Fed balance sheet compared to the number of dollars in circulation. No, not actually physical dollars, but all the dollars out there. So you can see as soon as they started printing in January, like infla inflating their balance sheet, the number of dollars dramatically increased in the economy too. So if we have more dollars, which is an increase in the money supply, uh -huh. we, got, we got to have inflation. There's no way around it. I guess it's a matter of, so we got the Fed balance sheet. So if the money is not in circulation, where else can it go? In deposits? Is that considered in circulation? I guess I'm well, trying to wrap part of, Yeah, it's part of the, the money supply, the M, M2, M1, M2 type of stuff. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. How about this one? Showing true inflation. CPI price index is the main, the main thing that they determine inflation based on. And that's the, what the fed is targeting their fantasy of 2%. When in reality, when you actually calculate inflation, we're up almost 10%. But when we go by this calculation of shadow at almost 10%, what is that? Is that the old CPI? Is that the old calculation? How so, is that money? Uh, when yeah. they calculate the, the inflation, the CPI, let's say the washing machine, they add Wi-Fi to the washing machine. And because uh -huh. it now has Wi-Fi, they increase the price $50. Well, when they calculate the inflation, they take that $50 out because the government feels that that Wi-Fi makes the customer feel better. So because of that, it's not really inflating the price because it's an added feature on the thing. But in reality, it costs the manufacturer nothing to add Wi-Fi to it. They're just jacking up the price because the cost of goods and all that type of stuff has gone up. I guess another perfect example of that is uh, YouTube TV and other TV packages, right? They're adding channels you don't need and jacking up the price. When in reality, uh, probably the, 
this, the Fed, the guys at the BLS are saying that doesn't count. That extra 15 bucks isn't part of the equation. Right. Well, part of that, I think, is YouTube. They kept their prices low when they first rolled it out to try and get people. And then once you have the product, you don't want to get rid of it. So you'll just keep paying the price. You know, Netflix does the same thing. So, but yeah, part of that is inflation. Part of that is because they know people will pay for it. So that, that deals with the money supply. More money out there, more people have to spend on these type of things. Well, I think for now, the guys who are out there on CNBC, those talking heads on the main financial networks, they're saying there's no inflation. They're perma bulls, I would say most of them. But what do you think? Are they gonna be, are they gonna be humbled with their harsh opinions? I mean, I feel like eventually uh, there's gonna have to be inflation, but they say never, which to me is just a bit of arrogance to think mm -hmm. that like we can just be endless money printers and no, inflation you know what i'm saying like what do they think are they just are they lying to themselves or what is that well i think look at 2002 people were saying you know the inflated prices that were happening in 2000 were not a big deal that we were you know this is justified and all that type of stuff people, so many people were saying that 2008 same thing and then look at what happened but then people forget about that or it's easy to hide that type of thing and they change their their perception after it happens it's going to be the same thing you know once inflation hits 10 percent and mm. people are scared and it's going to happen they'll be like well yeah we saw this coming blah blah, blah. and you know they, they just change their opinion at that time and the narrative will change and the, right. yeah okay yep. Yep. Well, that makes sense. they're targeting an average of i mean so what does that mean? You know, that's what they're trying to de decipher is what the average of 2% means. Well, it just means that they know in, in the next five, 10 years, inflation is going to be higher. So they're just going to say, well, we had 10 years of low inflation and now we have 10 years of high inflation. We're averaging at 2%. <laughs> but the problem is, is that nobody saved up those last 10 years to anticipate the next 10 years of 10%, right? Okay. It'll average out at 2% a year you know, if you average over 20 years or however this projection is going to look, but let's say the next 10 years is going to be seven, 8% a year. People are going to get wiped out. That's tough, man. Yeah. Well, the average savings yeah. of the household is they don't have a thousand dollars, like 70% of households don't have a thousand dollars. You know, they don't have an emergency bucket to have something happen. So, I mean, if price of meat is already doubled, you know, what are people going to do when they don't have the extra cash, you know, if something does happen? I mean, look at the price of lumber. I like they're, that they're blaming lumber on COVID, but lumber has more than gone up 200% in the last six months. So, I mean, that's part of that is COVID. Part of that is just what's going to keep happening. I mean, those prices aren't going to come back down when the mills come back. It's just, it's just like gas. We've been above, you know, gas prices forever, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, the, isn't the, isn't, um, at the industrial level, the demand for oil is quite low, but the price is still reasonably high considering the demand because of the financialization of the commodity oil. Yeah. Is that, are you saying that's what's happening with lumber too? Well, I'm not saying that's what's happening with lumber, but it's, yeah, oil is just a whole different animal. The fact that the supply is not there and yet prices are still, you know, we have so much supply out that all the, refineries and all the storage facilities are jam-packed, but prices are still ridiculous. So I have another question then. So let's go back to this inflation number. The, how, the, price, the housing prices in US 
are exploding right now, which is just insane, right? I mean, especially outside the cities, they're going up, 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 up. And that could be because of, I don't know, demographic trends are saying people are leaving the cities, going to the suburbs and the country. Is that, is that, how much of that is, do you think inflation, how much is that, you know, extra demand? I mean, what is going to happen there? Part of it's, it's demand, part of it's lack of supply. So it's, it's kind of a, a pent up type of thing that's finally exploding. And people, older people don't want to sell their homes because where are they going to go? You know, they're not going to buy something new, you know, so most people are holding on to their homes and then yeah. they're going to give it to their, their grandkids. So the supply is way down. So I think I feel that that has a big impact on, on the prices today, especially in California. Um, that's kind of what's, what's happening and what's going on out here. Um, so I, I don't believe in that we're going to have a, a real estate downturn from all this COVID stuff, you know, type of thing. And, and you and I have talked about that before of, you know, difference of opinions on what could happen, happen there. But I think our, our supply is just so low that it's not going to meet demand for many years. So. Yeah, I, I think the California market's a little bit different of a market too. I mean, the demand's insane through the mm -hmm. roof compared to other but that's what in the CPI, I mean, what about the month to month CPI, that's what they base it on. They base it on New York, California, or like New York, Los Angeles, and then one other um, city that I can't remember off the top of my head. So, I mean, LA has a big impact on how they're calculating inflation. So what, what about though, as from an investment perspective, right? Like what, what are, what are you doing? What are you telling your clients and stuff like that to buy, to hedge against inflation for future stuff? That's what throws me off, yeah. right? Like the, 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 the doom and gloom, which I love, which I'm a huge fan of those guys, you know, gold and all that stuff, silver, but that's a non-moving asset, right? That's a long play. What about the stuff it's an now? Inflation hedge. I mean, it's, it's an inflation hedge, but it's not a sexy stock, right? It, I, I would agree that gold's awesome, but it does, I wouldn't say collects dust. That's kind of a nasty thing to say, but I mean, what do you do in this overvalued market, right? Like, is Tesla an inflation hedge? I mean, I don't think so. <laughs> well, so you call it a sexy, gold is not a sexy stock. When you look at the sexy stocks, that also has a sexy amount of risk. So it's, it's going to vary from person to person of how they want to hedge against, against inflation. Um, but having your money invested is going to, one hedge, no matter which way you do it, is going to be a hedge against inflation because it's hopefully growing or producing or collecting some type of income. The near term, we're not doing a whole lot because we're, we're at astronomical prices and everything. So near term, it's kind of just wait and see, but eventually you're going to, you don't want cash. I mean, cash is when they say cash is king, not anymore. Cash is going to be the, the death of you. That's what Ray Dalio was saying, right? Cash is trash. I think that's what he said. That was, his yeah. That was his term. Um, wow. Okay. Yep. So you're saying like, might as well just get in any stocks instead of, instead of, uh, you know, cash at this point. Being in cash. Well, I wouldn't want to say any stocks. I mean, look at Snowflake right. that just listed, you know, you're, you, you might yeah, not want to always be in the sexy one right away, especially the, based on your age. So it's something that you really got to sit down and, and weigh out the goods and the bads of everything. Yeah. Dude, it's tough out there. I mean, I have no idea what to buy because I, I'm kind of a one-hit wonder. I got involved in the, the metals and the mining, and it's okay. But if you average out over the last 10 years, 
it's done horrible. I think that I think the projection for metals and miners is good. I think it's solid. I think it'll keep its purchasing power, you know, for people who want to preserve their wealth. But what about what about let's say you have a hundred thousand dollars right now? Somebody comes to you and says, Pat, hey, I got a hundred thousand uh, dollars. Give me a nice diverse portfolio. What are you doing? Are you doing are you doing dividends? Are you doing a mix of precious metals? Are you doing S and P five hundred? And the reason I ask this question is, do you take into account the fact that the multiples are insane right now? Like what? Who who can go? Who who can with a straight face really go and say, I'm gonna I'm gonna go all in on you know these ten stocks, this basket of stocks when the PE ratios are through the roof? And it's a it's a multiple part question. But the other thing is, the some of those people, when you say to them, oh, the PEs are too high, they'll say, oh, well, those companies, you know, that's, they're just going to raise their prices and the revenues are going to increase, you know, alongside with it. Is, that's inflation too. So I don't know, all those things taking into account, I, it's very confusing. So I like watching Shark Tank and I always get a kick out of uh, Kevin O'Leary who will go on there and say that, you know, the price that they're asking, you know, that's, 10 times earnings and all this stuff, and that's ridiculous. But then when you sit there and listen to him on CNBC and he talks about Tesla, he talks about Apple and they're at 120 forward PE and all that type of stuff. He's like, that's cheap, that's cheap, you know, because he's got to justify exactly what he's doing or what, you know, investors can be doing in, in the market. And it just blows my mind for the fact that he would not invest in a company for his own money with, you know, forward earnings of, of 10 times, which, I mean, when you think of PE, that means that take Tesla, Tesla was trading at like a thousand times forward PE. Well, that means that pretty much at their current cash flow, you've got, you're not going to make your money back with till thousand years out, which is ridiculous. <laughs> like that doesn't even make sense of why you would invest in something like that. So the stock market, and we've talked about this before, the stock market is not a true evaluation of a company. The stock market is just a gambling type of thing of where you think pricing is going to go. It has no true reflection of what, what a company is able to do and produce for, for forward earnings. So it really comes down to the individual investor and what they need and what they're looking for, for their income and their retirement. And so you would say maybe Tesla's more on the speculative risky side of the, of the portfolio. Yeah, my opinion of Tesla is that it's Elon Musk. It's the, the future thinking of what Tesla could yeah. do and where Tesla could go. So if you got time on your horizon, you know, great. Tesla could be, you know, a part in your, your portfolio, but it's not, you really have to take into account the risk and what is actually going on with the stock because it does not reflect what they're actually doing currently. And they always say the stock market is, is a forward looking type of entity. That's, that's total BS. It's not forward looking anyways. It's a day to day type of thing of what's going on in the market. Maybe we should, yeah, I see. And also just to go uh, follow up on what you're saying, I'm looking at it right now, 1,087. That's the PE on Tesla. That's insane. That is insane. And it was worse too, because Tesla's down. So yeah. Mm. Yeah, you're right. What are we down like 10% over the last, what, five days here? I don't know. I haven't looked at it that closely. Yeah. I but, showed um, you this image a... before, right? No. What is this? This is the Federal Reserve, how our whole, you know, Fed balance sheet works and all that type of stuff. Because you have the Treasury, which, I'm move this. 
sends treasury bills to the government and they buy the government bonds, then that money they spend on government activities or whatever it may be, which then puts money into the banks for people to take loans out. They do the, you know, the money multiplier, whatever they keep lending yeah. on the money that they get, which they use to pay, you know, people in their currency, what they use to work. Then they pay taxes on that, which goes to the internal revenue service, the taxes, they, the internal revenue service pays the interest on the treasury bills that the treasury sold to the government. The federal reserve ends up printing the money that they gave to them. So they get the interest which ends up going to the big banks, which they ended up loaning out the money anyways in step four. So the big banks end up getting the, the debt that's on the books. They get the, the interest from the, the Federal Reserve and then they own a majority of the real estate and the country because of all the, the debt that we have for the deficit. So it's just a big, it's a big circle of where the money flows back into, into the system through the Federal Reserve. It's, it's the epitome of a Ponzi scheme. But it looks like it's the epitome of a Ponzi scheme. But also, if I understand you correctly, it looks almost like a backdoor mechanism for nationalization, kind of, right? So if I look here on step five, step four, they're, you know, they're stimulating the economy and it's going to the financial uh, sector. Then it's getting bar lent out, right? And the revenue from that lending activity ends up becoming IRS revenue, right? Back to the treasury. Well, the taxes. So the taxes from the, the money supply right. goes into the internal revenue service, which goes back to the treasury. Because then that, that's money that the treasury gets because they're part of the government. But then the treasury has to pay interest on the money that they got from the Federal Reserve. Because the Federal Reserve is the one that prints the money, right? So the Federal Reserve prints the money just creates it out of existence, sends it to the treasury, but they charge interest. So the treasury has to pay interest on those, that money that, that um, was from the T-bills. So it's just a backdoor for more money for the banks is, is what it is. But if the money gets caught, if the money, how much of that comes back as tax revenue, let's say? I mean, what is the multiplier on that? Do we have any idea? Like, let's say for every trillion the government prints, how much extra tax revenue does that bring back? I, yeah, that I don't know. I know that 80% of the revenue that the government gets is from the IRS. So if the IRS isn't getting funded or isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing, the government isn't getting the money to go out and do more things. So that means they got to borrow more money, sell more treasury bills. The treasury needs to print more money. You know, our, our outflows are two times what the inflows are. Mm, that's insane. That, that brings me to another, a few other questions. What do you think about, like, because we're on the topic of inflation, is it because where the, the, the US dollar is the reserve currency, right? Is that, is that something that could be put in jeopardy because of if inflation gets out of hand or would inflation just follow suit with all the other currencies? I guess what I'm asking is, Oh, sorry, but I guess what I'm asking is, why would the Saudis, why would the emerging markets, the Tigers, South Korea, South Africa, India, even Russia, why would they say stuff like, uh, 
okay, yeah, we're gonna devalue our currency as well, just because the US doesn't keep its financial house in order. It's Would they do that? They're devaluing it, it's all other currencies. Well, if you look at history, all reserve currency, like the dollar has failed. You know, we've talked about right. that, it's, it's bound to fail. So yes, that will happen at some point, but all other currency is based on the dollar. So that's why it's the reserve currency. So the dollar used to be backed by gold, now it's backed by nothing. And it's why the U.S. has been able to prosper and utilize GDP because we just print more money. And every other currency out there is based on the dollar. So if the dollar goes up in inflation, all other currency is then sub subsequently going to go up in inflation until the whole system finally just collapses because it, it gets out of hand. And, out of, and, and this is the future. This is the whole thing of where they're saying that we're borrowing from the future to pay for today. And that's exactly what, what has happened by us printing money like crazy. We've sucked up all the future demand and all the future growth. Right. Huh. Yeah, makes sense. Is that though, but does that mean because of that extra liquidity we've pushed into the, into the, into the market, that has sucked up future demand for the other emerging markets as well, like Brazil, like Russia, like India? Are they also going to be, is future demand gone from those, from those guys as well, from their economies? Well, because it's all, yeah, it's all tied to, I mean, the major markets. So Brazil has their own market, but it's still based loosely on what, you know, the major markets are, are doing, you know, the major central mm -hmm. banks. So it's, it's really comes down to the central banks and what they're doing. So every government out there has a central bank and they're the ones that's borrowing from, from the future. I think what confuses me, though, is if that is the case, if all those other currencies will just let themselves become devalued with the dollar, what is the limitation in place, right? Back it up two minutes ago, you said 80% of our, you know, of our revenues coming through the IRS. Why not just print money for tax revenues, right? What is the limit? Why not? If, if, if the other countries are going to keep using us as the reserve currency, and we can keep injecting liquidity unlimited. Why even collect taxes? You know, why not stimulate the economy more? Of course, it's a rhetorical question, but I'm, that's what confuses me is like, what is the limit? That's what so I don't get. Socialist is what you're saying. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's confusing. It's, it's confusing. I, I will agree that, you know, you, who knows what the limit is? Who knows what the final breaking point is going to be with all this printing? Um, all I know is that prepare now for what is not going to be in the future. I mean, by the time you and I retire, do you think you're going to get social security? Do you think social security will still be around? I mean, they keep saying it. They've said for the last generation and a half, I remember all my high school teachers would always joke, we're not getting social security. And now they're all, they're all on social security. I'm sure it'll always exist, but will it exist in terms of purchasing power? No. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, look at, I mean, people that are getting social security, they're not, if inflation is, close to 2%, the inflation or the increase of social security hasn't increased by 2%. So the yeah. increase of social security hasn't even been going up with what the inflation is. So yeah, I'm, I'm a firm believer that by the time there'll be some type of, of money maybe, but not near what it is right now. It's a trip, it's a trip. I wanna also ask, I've never asked you this, uh, Bitcoin, what do you think about that? Is that inflation hedge? Is that investment? I mean, what is that? That's a tough one. 
an inflation hedge? No, I don't, I don't feel it's an inflation hedge. You don't have enough of the true mainstream investors or people behind it um, to really yeah. call it an inflation hedge. Um, is it something that could potentially, you know, what we have right now for cryptocurrency, um, I don't think that could be the future of currency. It, it might not be what, what it looks like now, but it could be a, you know, a, a way of what it would look like in the future. Does that make sense? It's, you know, Bitcoin might not exist 20 or 30 years from now, but something similar to what that was might exist for, for that our makes new, sense. new reserve currency. I think I understand what you're saying. If I understand what you're saying correctly, you're saying maybe Bitcoin's more of like a prototype of what is to come later right. in the future. It's you know, a working the, prototype the right footprints, now. You know, of, of what's, what's to come or what, what the new reserve currency might look like. And as long as we have central okay. banks, we'll always have, you know, a reserve currency. If we got rid of the central banks, then um, we could be um, we could we just go back to the gold standard, and and because inflation should doesn't need to exist in order to be growth and and prosper and all that type of stuff. I think if we go back to the gold standard, that's the conversation we're gonna have for another another topic, another episode maybe. Yeah. But I think that's gonna. That's a whole other exciting one to discuss the possibility of going back to a gold standard. So I would agree. I think we got to keep funny and a little bit of doom and gloom. I love the doom and gloom. People love it. It gets well, them wet in the pants, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I think there's going to be inflation. I, I just want to know, I think dude, my other question though is when, when is it going to happen? When, when, what are the things to look for? Right. Obviously there must be like a, a lagging, indicator is that the word or am i thinking of a forward indicator there must be some sort of lagging indicator like okay well uh consumer confidence is up that probably would be some sort you know what i'm saying well, is there some indicator, indicator like that is, is just that you're not going to get it until after it happens so okay so i'm thinking of a forward indicator right so and it's not like inflation is just going to trip and it's going to be like all of a sudden okay today we have inflation you know it's, it's going to progress over time um, as that money that's out there starts circulating more and more, it, it's going to happen. And you can kind of already see it in some things. Prices have, have gone up and, and they're blaming it on COVID, but it right. has nothing to do with COVID. You know, it's just either people taking advantage of COVID or it's the cost of goods that have gone up. Yeah. Yeah. So. Because, of, because of the cost of production is higher because of X, Y, Z. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. going to be multiple things. Yeah, I mean, just having more money out there, people are going to, the demand is higher. So because demand is higher, prices, you know, supply is not, hasn't changed. So that's true. They were saying something about meat. I think meat right now in U.S. is at 20%, 15, 20% higher than it was a year ago. Right. Yeah. And again, and, they're blaming that on COVID though, you know, and that's, right. that's, their, that's their scapegoat on everything. That's their scapegoat. And they're saying a few meat processing plants, you know, the supply logistic lines got disrupted because of a few meat processing plants got shut down because of COVID. Mm -hmm. But in reality, right, somebody came out, I think it was, um, uh, I think it was this guy, Cooperman, he was on CNBC and he said something like, no, that's not what's happening. Everybody got 1200 bucks. Everyone's getting 1200 bucks, stimulus checks or 2400 a month in unemployment. And they're hanging out at home so now everybody's got all this flush cash. What are they doing? They're not eating out, 
you know, at the, uh, at the lunch place by the office anymore. They're going to the grocery store and buying meat, nice meat. And so, like you said, I mean, that's just, I guess that would be a, what would I say? A higher velocity of money in meat, right? A lot of meat. People are buying just more meat. Well, so prices, I have, of course, are going to go up. I have plenty of people that own hotels. And one of the guys was telling me that during the times of that extra $600, you know, that's out there that people were getting, his, his motels were, you know, 70, 80% at capacity. Ever since the money, the extra $600 was stopped, he's down to 20, 30% capacity. So wow. people having the extra cash are out there, just like you're saying, spending on meat, spending on, you know, frivolous things, spending on games, spending on whatever. So the velocity as money increased during that time, you know, and, and you saw it on the chart we showed earlier, how much money is out now out there in, in circulation. And it's not dollars. We're not talking about physical dollars. It's all digital that's out there. I mean, look at what, look at what the IRS did recently. They ACH'd $1,200 into everybody's bank account. That's, you know, fake money that was created that's, that's floating around out there. That's crazy. That's crazy. So, What is this? Well, I'm curious also, though. What is this uh, cryptocurrency? That the, it was, I think it was passed in the, in the CARES Act, right? I don't know if it's going to be executed or implemented yet, but they're saying it allows now the creation of a Fed coin or they started investigating the possibility of it. What, what impact would that have on the financial system in general? Would, you know, I, I heard someone on CNBC or Bloomberg it was, I think, and he was saying basically what it would do is uh, kind of a weird system where we would have, uh, it, would, it would be kind of crypto wallets we would have, every citizen would have, and it would be, we would have you know, money deposited in there by the government and it could be spent only on certain items, certain industries, and it would be a way to stimulate demand uh, whenever the government wants. Have you heard something like that? I haven't heard anything about that, no. That's weird, yeah. So like, for example, they were hypothesizing like, well, you know, we need to help the airline industry. Everybody got, everybody now has 800 uh, Fed coins in their wallet. It can be used between now, and it expires. It can be used between now and end of September to buy airplane tickets. Yeah. Yeah, it's, we'll see. We'll see. That, that we sounds scary. That sounds scary. <laughs> that sounds as very well. scary. Scary as shit. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk doom and gloom? That sounds. That's just like putting you know a thousand dollars in everybody's pocket every single month. You know, for for no reason, for doing nothing. Great, I'm definitely on my butt for for the month because I know I'm going to get a thousand bucks from the government. Yes, absolutely. I just was listening to a buddy in Las Vegas, and he was saying he got an Uber. And it took him like 25 minutes to, to hitch an Uber. And he finally got in and he asked the Uber driver, what's going on? Why 2,500 or why 25 minutes to wait? I usually, every time I'm in Vegas, I get it in a few minutes. Is it because of COVID? He said, no, 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 no. He's like, everyone's sitting at home now getting 2,400 bucks unemployment, even the Uber drivers. So I'm just out here because I'm tired of sitting at home, right? No one's actually out working. And I think that that's going to continue. As long as these unemployment checks continue. Yeah. So obviously. Well, they've, they've stopped. Now they're getting 300. Some states are doing the 300. But yeah, it's, 
And it's probably why Congress yeah, hasn't come up with a new bill. You know, they, they haven't come up with a new stimulus package because they know people aren't, you know, they don't want to. But California is still shut down. So people can't even work if they want to because restaurants aren't dining in and all that type of stuff. So, and I know you don't like talking about California, but the problem is, is California's GDP is, is, you know, most of the country. I love talking about California. California's GDP is like, what, sixth, seventh economy tenth, in the world tenth, right I now? I think in the world, yeah. I think I think it's I think it's a little bit higher than that. I thought it was eight or nine, whatever. But yeah, of course, no. I love talking about California. I think though these unemployment checks, it just makes obvious sense from an inflation standpoint. Think about it. Yeah, less productivity, right? Guys are not working, so they're not creating services, but they're still getting money. That right away is also the definition of inflation. More money chasing fewer goods. I mean, right away, it's already it's already happening from that perspective. We're not even talking about the money printing aspect of it. So yeah, it's weird. It's going to get weirder. Well, I think that will conclude today's episode on, on inflation. If you have more questions, you can reach out to us at Patrick at deltaim.com. No, no, scrap that. You got to reach out to us at either Pat or Andrew at wallstreetme.at. It spells <laughs> wallstreetme. It sounds cool as shit. 